Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Itamar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Hello, and welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast. My name is Emil, and I'm joined by my co-host, Itamar. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic which is very relevant to a lot of entrepreneurs. Today, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Awesome stuff. So, Itamar has a case today uh, of a gentleman who struggled with this exact thing. So, he's going to start by explaining how it worked, what the problem was, and then how they overcame it together. And we'll go from there with some takeaways and lessons at the end. So, Itamar, take it away. Sounds good. So, what we're going to do is also, I want to actually share actually what the results he saw from it. Like, actually where he was before and all the way to the results he saw. So, people can understand that this process actually gets this results as we always talk about. It's not just theory. This is actually what can come of it. So, to start, about, start it off, I want to kind of like tell you guys about his situation. Because I think a lot of people will feel very in touch with this. So, David was a he's a good dude and he's seen already a lot of success but whenever conferences came up or social situations came up he got that feeling in the pit of his stomach something wasn't sitting well and he knew that he wanted to put himself out there and make connections and really live up to who he should be because he read all the books he heard all the podcasts and his let's call it his rational human brain was telling him like yo if you want to keep growing you have to put yourself out there. It's like, it's okay that it's uncomfortable, but let's just step out of our comfort zone and do that. And besides, every time we don't do this, we just feel bad about ourselves after the conference or after the social event or whatever it may be. But the issue was that every time that happened, also let's call it his emotional survival monkey, the more primal part of his brain, popped into play and said, yeah, like that's all true, but who are we to be mingling with these people? We're not as successful or smart as they are, and they'll, th- they'll see right through us and think we're frauds. And so what he would do then, he would regulate himself to just saying, okay, you know what? Just be as quiet as possible, ask the polite and semi-interested question here and there, and just stick to that and we'll be fine. And every time his emotional survival monkey will win out and he'd feel this like pit of regret afterwards that he wasn't doing what he should be doing. Now, so let me ask you this, Emil. You don't know David, who do you think he is? He's a six-figure entrepreneur, who's just kind of starting out, a seven-figure entrepreneur who's going from like founder to CEO, or an eight-figure entrepreneur with a 50-plus person team? Who's this dude? So it sounds like he's starting out, but knowing what I know, I imagine that this is more prevalent than you know we think. Exactly. David is all three. Like I've seen like David, this specific guy, he's a seven-figure entrepreneur, but I've worked with people in all three spectrums. People that are running eight-figure eight-figure teams and businesses, they have it just the same way. Now, like David, he was very successful on paper. He'd already exited a couple six-figure businesses. He had a seven-figure one that was thriving. And he's not someone who technically should have imposter syndrome. Like He literally gets flown out to speak at conferences about why and how he's been able to build these things. But he still feels inside like that skinny Asian kid that had glasses in school. That was what he always saw himself as. And he always was afraid of being rejected and looked down on if he messed anything up. So 
that fear was causing him to do a lot of things that didn't serve him. And what that ended up manifesting in his business, that he was wasting time playing small because it felt like that was safe for someone like him, how he viewed himself, okay? Now, when he would speak at these conferences and the A-level players would reach out to him and be like, hey, how can we do something together? How can we help you out? He, again, just didn't do anything with that because he was afraid he'd look foolish. He was afraid of getting somehow rejected, somehow embarrassed, so he kept playing small. And he also didn't hire A-level players into his business because, again, why should someone like him at his level be able to do that? That's not how it is, right? And on top of that, he, just, he wasn't investing money into the things that would create big, big impacts for his business. And he was just living well, well below how someone like him should be living. And what that caused is that he just kept grinding. So just to clarify then, it wasn't just that he wasn't putting himself out there at conferences. It was also that even when people reached out to him, despite him being kind of yep. introverted and protected, introvert might not be the right word here, but you know, not putting himself out there, people were still reaching out to him because they could sense how you know, brilliant he was, the possibility, and he would still shy away from that. 100%. I think these are people reaching out to him that I'm not going to say their names, but we all know them. These are people that are actually kind of called niche famous in the marketing world. We all know their names and they would reach out to him or try to do something and he would kind of shy away from it because he just wasn't sure that he would be able to play at that level. And he was just honestly way over cautious and fearful that he would get quote unquote exposed for who he thought he was. So this is self-sabotage caused by imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and like what that self-sabotage did is just like because he was only playing small, that forced him to just grind away and work ridiculous hours because he wasn't able to do big leverage tasks because he didn't think he was at that level. So what you're saying is if people are literally grinding away, working, keeping super busy and not really seeing anything going, that might be a symptom of imposter syndrome. It might be. I wouldn't relegate it just to that yeah. because there's a lot of reasons that happens, but I would absolutely say that if you feel insecure about going for big things and you find yourself keep doing the small things is because you're afraid it's worth checking in and asking is this something that i'm not doing because it doesn't make logical sense or do i have an emotional fear here that i might not be good enough to pull this off and that's why i'm regulating myself to the smaller things so do you think it's possible for you know you've pretty much said but possible for people to have imposter syndrome without knowing it and just having this uncomfortable feeling and now from what you're saying they're like okay i've got a diagnosis now you know absolutely and i think that's the biggest part that diagnosing and recognizing what's holding you back it's like we, we always talk about this you and i that people hit these kind of invisible walls and they keep hitting them and hitting them and hitting them, but they don't see the walls if they would see that there's a wall there it was made out of brick they'd be able to say okay let me jump over it move around mm -hmm. it whatever it may be and a lot of times when people don't have this sense of worthiness about them, where they're a little bit, they just feel shy. They feel like, oh, I don't know if I should speak up. These people are smarter than me. They're further ahead than me. All these kind of things that they say to themselves is self-talk. Usually what that is is imposter syndrome. Sometimes it's actually true. People are farther ahead of you. But most of the times from what I've seen from successful entrepreneurs, that is imposter syndrome. So then for the guys listening, um, what are the symptoms just to summarize you've mentioned them already so not not putting yourself out there at conferences and, and events not perhaps engaging in 
higher level interactions because you don't feel good enough. You mentioned not hiring A players because you don't feel worthy of it, I suppose. What other symptoms could there be that people can kind of think, oh, that's me? Yeah, it's interesting you say symptom. It's your doctor stuff. The way I look at it is a cue. So here, here are some cues that you can tell if I if I see this in me, yeah. it's something to be cautious of. So it's a lot of self-talk when you're around these social environments. We say, oh, these people are more advanced than me, or I'm not as smart as them. Or a lot of times it's kind of this self-deprecating talk where you say, what I do is simple and basic. Everybody knows this stuff. And it's crazy. You get people that are seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs saying this to themselves. Ah, this is a simple and basic. Everybody knows this stuff. It's like, no, not everyone's a millionaire. It's not how this works. But if you catch those kind of things where you find yourself just shying away and really just trying to protect yourself, that's probably a thing there. And this may be a little bit of a tangent, but this is closely related to, is it self-worth? Is that kind of where it comes in or? It absolutely is. So the thing is, a lot of times we're going on a tangent here, but the thing with self-worth is that there's always a lag there. So we always have this impression of our self-worth, not which is what is up to date right now. We have a vision of our younger self, maybe our less successful self. Even sometimes people have like David, what we were talking about, he still viewed himself as a skinny Asian kid from school, which is there because he moved around a lot. He didn't have a lot of friends. That's how he views himself. Not as the person right now who gets invited to these conferences to speak and give keynotes. And that sense of self-worth is always a bit of a lag there, which is very interesting. It's like we don't see ourselves for who we are today. We usually see ourselves for our past failures. That's what's been ingrained and burned into our heads. Yeah. Okay. So that's the kind of the problem. That's the that's the diagnosis. That's the, the imposter syndrome, which which can happen to anyone. And in David's case, he had identified this, and no. He hadn't identified. So what did he come to you with? What problem did he come to you with then? David was just, why is he able to get over the seven-figure hump? Right. Why is somebody like him working so hard? He was definitely not problem aware yet. Okay. The way he got problem aware was when we start, I started asking these questions. Why isn't he reaching out to these people? And we slowly dug up that he had these kind of rules in his head of how he thought the consequences would work out. He thought that if I reach out to them, I might get ridiculed. And he had this big thing about not being rejected. That was his biggest thing. Like, I don't want to be rejected because he got rejected as a kid when he was traveling around. Other kids were mean to him, whatever it may be. And what we did there to really uncover and start addressing it was asking him, are these beliefs true? Is what you believe that you picked up in like, your childhood or earlier years, is this actually what's true? If you do X, will Y actually happen? Is this likely to happen? And the moment we did that, by also giving it context, is like, if David of today does this inside a peer group of people like him where he gets invited to a conference, objectively, what is the likely outcome? And like, he wasn't aware at all that he had imposter syndrome. He just thought that, oh, I'm playing where I should be playing. The moment we kind of took a step back and helped him see himself and what's going on in his head from the side, he was able to kind of put it in his place. And then there wasn't an invisible wall anymore. There was still friction there because it's still a wall that he saw and had to get over. But at least he could understand what he was going with. So 
yeah, I mean, visualizing the war, being able to see it, identifying that there's a problem. So what what was it that he actually came to you with then? It was just that he wasn't, he wanted to be more successful or? Yeah. And what did he think was- He wanted to just play bigger. And what did he think was wrong with him? Because we all want to play bigger. He didn't think, yeah. So that's the thing. Honestly, the interesting thing with David, he didn't think anything was wrong. He thought he was on a really good track, but he was just not really happy because he was working really long hours and he was just grinding away and he kept feeling like he was just like, again, like hitting something that he wasn't able to get past. Like he thought he was not at the place where he could ever go beyond seven figures, ever. He thought that was his limit. That's who he is. That's his level of ability and his potential. And he just was getting frustrated by that. Okay. And what had he tried previously to overcome this? Because he, he eventually came to so, you, right? He came and said, Itamar, something's amiss. There's a niggle. Let, help me fix it. So had he tried things in the past or? He tried the usual. He tried the podcast, the, the books, talking to people about this, but he never really understood what was going on there. He just read these random books about how to succeed, how to push through difficulties. He was, he learned a lot about how to apply, let's call it braces. Like, you know, when you have an injury and you apply a brace and it can kind of help you a little bit. That's what he was kind of doing, all these motivational braces to put on himself. But he never really addressed the root cause of what was going on. And I think that was the issue, why he ended up saying, like, listen, this isn't working. I need to do something else. Okay. And then what, what, what's the biggest mistake that people make when perhaps they have identified either imposter syndrome or that something is wrong when they try to kind of fix it themselves? So the way they go about what they think fixing it means is the the biggest mistake they look at this as an actual let's call it a success gap problem where they think oh i'll get over my imposter syndrome once i'm as financially successful as them or want to have like as much authority as them or as much experience or whatever it may be there's this kind of trajectory okay if i get to this point then that won't exist anymore and we all know that's not true you get to that point and there's people higher than you and what that shows is that that's not the right solution. That doesn't work. It's a fallacy. That's the biggest mistake, that people are just hoping, okay, once I achieve this, it'll go away, and it doesn't. It's like, well, you see a lot of entrepreneurs that have exited businesses, they still feel like imposters because they're like, oh, I just got lucky that one time. That didn't change it, the fact that they're millionaires now. It doesn't make any difference. I think that's really the biggest number one mistake, thinking that it'll just go away with more achievements, with more accolades. It's an internal emotional thing. It's not an external success thing that causes imposter syndrome. If you try to address that, the external thing, the real problem, the real issue doesn't get resolved. Yeah, so that's, that's very interesting because that happens with, you know, trying to earn more money to be happy. Or, you know, in my world, if I get ripped and get a six pack, I'll be happy and I'll be able to, you know, attract all the partners or whatever. And we know that's not true. Like these things are, you know, great to have, you know, being in shape, being healthy, having a lot of money, but they don't fix the underlying problem. So you need to, you know, do the internal work, I suppose. Yeah, I think they also, they can almost do the opposite in a way because what they can create is a pressure pot, mm. a pressure cooker, sorry, where a situation where you think, this was supposed to resolve it. 
I was when I get six back abs, I was supposed to be amazing and have everything figured. When I get a couple million, everything's supposed to be amazing. But now it's happened and that hasn't. So what's wrong with me? And that's when people really start spiraling down. And I think that's why it's a very dangerous thing and something to be aware of. That these external things, they're not going to solve your internal problems. And if you try to do that, you can actually do a lot of harm to yourself without recognizing it. Yeah. And I think the other danger is that, you know, as successful entrepreneurs, we, you know, say, all right, once I get to a million, then I'll be happy. And it doesn't happen. You're like, okay, it must be three million that I need to get to. So then you power through and then it's like, okay, it's 10 million, actually eight figures. That's the one. That's the big one. Then I'll be happy. And, yeah. you know, I've worked with people who just keep hitting these milestones and then never, never really stop. And they kind of get to the end and they're just like, well, nothing worked. It's like, no, because you didn't stop and think and look at the underlying cause. And, you know, this is certainly very relevant to me, but this concept of I am enough, regardless of achievements, success, blah, blah, blah. And then you can have achievements and success, but actually you need to be okay with yourself being enough um, regardless. And I'm projecting now because this is very much me. But anyway, <laughs> stop hijacking your story. It's 100% though. I agree with it 100% though, man. 100%. Yeah. But let's get back to this. So, so back to, the back story. to this case study. Um, so tell us what happened then with, with David. Okay, so what happens with David is that we start fixing it. We start saying, okay, this shouldn't be what's holding you back from success. This is not a valid thing to honestly have to work 60 hours a week because you're just grinding on small things. So let's address that. And what I said earlier about it, the beliefs, that's how we did that. We first had to really re rewire his sense of self-identity. Um, he had these beliefs that he doesn't have enough money, even though he's worth seven figures, that his reputation is really weak and that he can't afford to have anyone think negatively. And these two things were just getting in his way because he was afraid if he makes any kind of mistake, he's going to get, again, judged and ridiculed and all that can spiral down to him. So the moment we looked at that belief of my reputation is weak and that's why I can't afford to have anyone think negatively of me. And we thought like, okay, like, where did you actually learn this? When, why did you decide that this was the truth and how the world works? And we recognized that it wasn't true. It was maybe true when he was in, you know, in elementary school, moving around and kids in elementary school are kind of part of my language, but are assholes. And that's what happened. But in today's world, in the context that he is, that's actually not the case. We could see very logically that a lot of these beliefs that were driving this behavior and causing him to basically hunker in and shy away from introducing himself, from creating connections, from all these positive things were not true, were false beliefs. And the moment we were able to do that, he was able to say, okay, maybe I should give this a try. So we ran a bit of experiments and they're okay, just reach out to this person, not the A level that everybody knows the famous guy, but the B person. See how that goes. Just see how that goes. And he kept us getting these really positive feedback loops. Where he would reach out to people, whether it was for a, a joint venture or just some advice, whatever it may be. And he just kept getting these really, really positive responses. Because David, on top of like being good in business, he's just a really, really good dude. You can't meet him and not like him. And it was really just a process of first like giving him the ability to see the wall, then giving him the kind of motivation to say, okay, this actually isn't really true, and making the wall a lot smaller, 
and then through those experiments, just giving him honestly the motivation to jump far past the wall, to overcome that kind of fear and internal friction that he still had. Because like one of the big things I always say, like you never get rid of this stuff entirely. You can just minimize it to a point where you can logically box it in. So that you can say, okay, this isn't a giant scary monster that I don't know what's going on here. This is just something small that's gonna require some friction and some courage, but I can do it. And that's how we did it with him, it was that process. So what you're saying then is that this belief of not being enough or not not being able to play in the higher leagues came from previous experiences in life which in this case i suppose he could recall but i imagine in some cases you can't potentially give a specific reason as to why you feel this way and then gone yeah i'm not sure i agree i think most times now that we can't recall it's that we haven't made the effort to recall what I've noticed with pretty much everyone that I work with, not pretty much everyone that I work with, they can't recall it. It's sometimes it's painful, so we want to hide it away, or it's embarrassing, because it feels foolish to say when I was 12, kids made fun of me, and now I'm not able to scale to eight figures. You know, it feels foolish. Sometimes we hide from it, but I don't think, I haven't yet met the person without the right prodding and the right kind yeah. of like system to give him that ability to think, hasn't been able to see what it was. They just haven't made the effort, and they haven't been, not even the effort, you know, I shouldn't say that because it's not true. They haven't been aware that that's what they should be looking at. And that's the big thing. It's not that these guys are lazy. It's they're just like, most people are just not aware that, wow, if I actually look back at my past and figure out where these thoughts came from, I can then start on the journey to overcoming them and what that could do for you. And I think that's the real problem. It's just, they're not aware that this is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, that's what, I suppose that's what I was getting at. There is a thing which happens, but they're not aware of it. And with prodding, as you say, it can be kind of brought up to the surface. But I suppose that one, it almost, you don't necessarily even need to be able to identify it. The fact is that there's a problem. And then through the method that you describe, where you almost train sort of with a small wall and getting over it and then put another layer of bricks and then get over that and build up confidence over time, you can overcome this regardless. But actually the issue is that people don't know that there's a problem because they're working 60 hours a week. They're almost distracting themselves from the problem and, and just banging up against the wall like a fly on a window. Would that be true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty accurate. I think it just, let's put it this way, this stuff, getting over issues of worthiness and confidence in the long run it's amazing and it can give you amazing opportunities and you also feel great about yourself in the short term this is difficult it is much easier to work 60 hours a week yeah. than for someone to ask you like what's your biggest fear let's talk about that and if this is actually true working 60 hours a week is so much more easy so much easier but the, this is the stuff that actually creates lasting results and just to add to that analogy you were saying about the wall, I think if you don't address what's going on, you don't understand the fear or the issue that you have around this, you're not going to be able to get over that wall because you won't be seeing it. It's still like just a blind, let's call it like a sheet of glass that you keep bumping into and you keep bouncing back and you don't know what's going on. You're at a complete loss. The moment you can actually identify what's going on here, and again, not try to solve imposter syndrome, but just saying, once I have more, but actually saying, okay, what's actually internally going on here? Then you can start to see the wall for what it is. And then you can start climbing because you actually see the obstacle in your way. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
yeah, you, you need to kind of identify, <laughs> you need to identify that there's an issue before you can even begin to overcome it. And I find that money in this regard is very dangerous because it's widely validated for more money is good. So people, it's very easy to just then pursue more money rather than stopping and thinking what's actually going on here. And then the kind of the paradox is that once you stop and think, you'll then open up higher levels of earning instead of just blindly, almost distracting yourself with, I'll just earn more money and everything will be fine. Absolutely. It's also a much more tangible pursuit. You can yeah. count, I made more money this yeah. week. You can't count, I got over these kind of things yeah. that are holding me back. So as people who are very success-driven, we're driven and attracted toward tangible things. And yeah. it's, it's a challenge to recognize that and say, okay, I'm going to be disciplined and not just be attracted and run into these tangible things that don't truly serve me. Yeah. And to clarify, neither of us are averse to earning shitloads of money. It's just that there are better ways of doing it than bouncing against a, a invisible wall. And, you know, in, in David's case, you know, the, the floodgates opened, as it were, once he figured this stuff out. So, yeah, continue with the, with the story. Yeah. So, uh, first, I'll just say this. I am very averse to people making a lot of money if they're unhappy. Like, when I worked for that billionaire, yeah. that's what I saw all the time. And I was like, yeah, that's a bad thing. So I was like, if you're not happy and you're making a lot of money, it's like you haven't won in life, as we say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, back to David's story. So basically, once we were able to do that and he was able to start reaching out to these really high level people and start making a lot of things happen, like how you said, basically the floodgates open. So he started hiring other A-levels into his C-suite because he started seeing him for what he's worth, himself for what he's worth and the business for what it is. He started actually creating a plan, a real tangible plan by working with some of the big famous people that I spoke about. And he's on track right now for an eight-figure exit very soon, a very high-level eight-figure exit, which was something he never dreamed about a year ago because he never thought that he was the kind of person who could dream about that kind of stuff. And now he's on a very tangible track there, which is awesome. He's trimmed down his work week from 60 hours to 30 because, again, he focuses on the big intimidating things that create giant shifts instead of just doing more small things. And truthfully, like, he's just much more calm and happy, which is really amazing to see. And in his words, he says like he's not avoiding his rejection story anymore because he's living up to his potential and he feels good about himself. And the reputation he has with himself for doing the big things that are scary and uncomfortable is what's causing that confidence to spike. And that's a really beautiful thing for me to have been able to see with him. So to me, that sounds like a shift in identity from this skinny bullies, Asian kids to a successful confidence entrepreneur i assume this happens gradually over time with lots of little things coming together this wasn't just a overnight thing it's not but i also think that people overestimate the amount of time is needed for that truthfully people think it takes i don't know 10 years of therapy or endless introspection i do think when you put a pragmatic system into these things and you have somebody who's willing to go through the intensity of looking things straight in the eye. And that's what David did. He just said, okay, let's look at this for what it is and see it for what it is. This stuff really started happening within two and a half months. Two and a half months, there's already a big, big shift where his like wife was saying, you're a different dude. Wow. In a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's quick. I mean, I work in behavior change and behavior change takes time. 
and to have a, a mindset shift like like this so quickly is is powerful that's awesome yeah yeah he's a good dude david's a champ man david's a champ awesome and then so what what is next then for 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 david's you know, are there, are there more barriers for him or is he kind of, he's on the right trajectory now and he can kind of figure it out himself or how does that look? So the way I like to think about it is like imagine like an upward spiral. There's different areas in the spiral. And every time as you progress, you're going to meet the same issue, but just at a different level of the spiral. So that's what's going on with David now. And like he is on track to hit all the targets and all that, but Every time he reaches out to this mega famous person now, and now he's dealing with people that are worth nine figures and he's talking to them, that stuff comes in again. So while he has the foundations laid and like the tools, we just keep on sharpening that axe, keep on sharpening that sword so that when he gets to those situations, he has the tools he needs to succeed. Like, the next thing is for David is just continuous success. Yeah. But what we keep on doing is just making him like better and better able when he reaches higher and higher heights. So he's more capable of dealing with, let's call it a tougher mind mindset adversaries if you will so yeah that's that's interesting because at the beginning you said that this never goes away so never. what you've given is the tools to be able to identify it and overcome it and now he's just almost like leveling up just making the wall higher and higher and he's still having to climb over it but he's just getting better at it so it doesn't matter how high it gets yeah. that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah so so can I share my takeaways, like what I would say to somebody, like this is how you would do it? Share your takeaways, you share your takeaways. What, what are the, the keys, keys for right. this? So like now that we've understood kind of like the theory behind it and we heard David's story, if you feel a sense of unworthiness sometimes or insecurity, or if you really recognize that it's imposter syndrome rearing its ugly head, here are five questions that you can ask yourself to see what's like, what's up and how you can resolve it. So first, what you have to ask yourself, is this a logical concern? Should I actually not be here? Or is this an emotional thing that's happening? Identify, is this a logical concern or is this an emotional thing where I just feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. Who am I to? These people are smarter than me. All these emotions that are popping up that aren't true. That's the first thing, to understand what's going on. Then assess why you believe that you doing X will result in Y. And ask yourself, where did you learn that the consequence of trying something or saying something or putting yourself out there could result in the discomfort or pain you're trying to avoid? And if that's relevant in today's world, into the context of the people you're around. And that's like the part where you actually identify things and make it easier. That's the first part. The next part is to recognize it's actually still going to be difficult. It doesn't go away like we said. After you've done that, you have to ask yourself, what kind of person do I want to be? One who succumbs to fear? and discomfort, or one who wants to step up. And then what you do is you ask yourself, what would that person do in the face of this fear? Because there's still going to be that fear there. There's still going to be a feeling of discomfort. There's still going to be that little voice in your head saying, are you sure about this? Maybe we're not good enough. Maybe we should be quiet. And it's, on your, it's your job to quiet that voice down. And like finally, you have to make a decision. And to say to yourself, I'm going to do what's scary, because it will help me achieve more long-term success and what I want in growth and internal happiness. And I'm not going to choose to regret this by staying shy, by, by playing small and just shying into myself. Like if you do those things, I think you can really figure this thing out and achieve a lot of success like David did. Yeah. 
that's that's awesome that's a great little process for starting to move through this shall i share my takeaways please let me know they are less deep and insightful but i've kind of been writing notes as we've been talking so first off try and identify what is going on identify that it's imposter syndrome once you've labeled it you can start to think about overcoming it so if you know you go back to the beginning and you recognize any of those symptoms just consider is this imposter syndrome and there's nothing wrong with it being that actually that's empowering then the next part is potentially identify the root causes it might help you to overcome it especially if it's like yeah i was bullied as a kid you can really realize how irrelevant that is to your life right now you know helps you almost put it into a box and separate it from your current life and then the next one is don't think that banging your head against the wall is going to cause you to succeed don't think that more money is going to automatically make this feeling go away that's just a distraction tactic you actually need to address it and that will paradoxically cause you to make more money if that's your goal and then can the I, final can I one, add one thing here that i think is very please. interesting yeah it's a, we i love that quote by einstein that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing yeah. twice and hoping for a different result and i think a lot of entrepreneurs they hear that quote and they're like okay so this is how i should think about my business this is how i should think about external things but it's not how they think about internal things like they're not they're trying to solve their happiness problem by doing the same thing just on a bigger scale i thought that was interesting yeah. anyway sorry to interrupt you. yeah yeah no 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 that's that's great a great addition and then my final point is i think you've already made it well we've made it multiple times is that you'll never get over this and that's not the goal the goal isn't to totally extinguish this feeling of imposter syndrome it's it's to be able to identify it and then overcome it what do they say courage is is not the absence of fear it's fear and then doing it anyway so it's exactly the same for this it's taking the appropriate action as opposed to distracting yourself and, and banging your head against that wall doing einstein's insanity trick love it, so man. those are my takeaways awesome awesome any parting comments anything that we've missed out before we wrap this up for this week tomorrow no i think i just want to say like, i purposely gave david's example because he is someone who's already successful and he still has it the reason i wanted to do that was to showcase that it really isn't a success thing it's not once you get to here or once you achieve that it's an emotional thing an internal thing that has to be addressed because the external things is irrelevant i've seen this in people all the way from five figures to honestly even nine figure people that I haven't coached but I've met and talked to. This stuff just exists and it's something you have to address internally or it'll just dictate the way you live. It's like, I love that saying by Carl Jung, he says that until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And this is one of those things. Like, unless you figure out this is actually what's stopping me and you address the root cause of it, it's gonna dictate your life in unpleasant ways. Boom, I love it. Thank you, Itamar, for sharing that story, that case study. Thank you for giving us some really solid takeaways. Next week, I'm going to be flipping this to the health side and talking about a guy who was super successful also, but 
a part of his life. He was above average in all areas apart from this one part of his life, his health. And I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs come up against because again, they go down this money, money, money roads and they kind of get to a point in their lives where they're like, oh, I've neglected my health for so long. And over two and a half years, this guy has totally transformed who he is as a person. And we'll talk about that in more detail next week, but crazy transformation. And this will really show that this isn't reserved for people who have been college athletes and you know playing sports since they were four years old. Truly anyone can transform their lives with simple things applied consistently and focus. Itama, thank awesome. you. I'm, I'm actually much more looking forward to that than this one because then I get to be in the student seat <laughs> and I get to just take notes and ask you questions. So very much looking forward to it. Can't wait. I'm, I'm super pumped for this. Hope you guys enjoyed this and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>